Psalm 40 is a psalm of David. It's a prayer. And this is what David writes. We're going to read the first part of it, then we'll refer to later parts of it as we talk about it together. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You've multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Join me in a prayer. A new song. You put a new song in David's heart and on his mouth. He writes about it, tells us about it. And in the words that he shares with us, may we take what you would have us hear from it, what faith is about and how it affects us. Speak to us, we pray, O God, in Christ's name, amen. So I don't know if you realized it, but basically this is a testimony that David is giving. He's giving a testimony. I waited for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord, he says, and something happened, right? That's kind of how testimonies go. I waited for the Lord, and something happened. I waited patiently for the Lord, and it's as if God leaned down with those great big ears and listened to every single word I had to say. My life was in a bad place. It was like a pit or a miry bog. My life was in a bad place. But God put a new song in my heart. It's a testimony. Now, I don't know what David was doing in order to wait for God. Could have been doing any number of things. Maybe he was praying alone in the temple, all serious and spiritual and all of that when this new song was placed in his heart. Maybe he was doing, maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was in rush hour donkey traffic in the streets of Jerusalem, you know, and some idiot donkey guy cut him off in traffic because he was reading his scroll instead of paying attention to what was going on, right? could have been, who knows? I mean, it almost doesn't matter because faith doesn't care 
whether you are in your most spiritual place or in the middle of a busy, distracting day, sometimes it just comes upon you and hits you right in the face. It's like a, it's like a new song. You know how when you get a, a song in your head, you may not even like the song. It's a new song and you can't get rid of the thing, <laughs> you know? VBS does Vacation Bible School. That's my. End up singing those dang songs all day. She can't get rid of them. That's that's what faith can be like sometimes. Something about it comes upon you, and and you can't stop thinking. You can't get it out of your head. You think about it over and over and over again. It's like a song in that way. It's like a new song. And that's what David is. This whole prayer of his. It's about what this new song does to him. He can't stop thinking about it, so he wants to pass it along. And in doing so, in the the rest of this first half of this psalm, this prayer actually, he lifts up two aspects of faith that I want to pass along to you. Two aspects of, two things that happen that David shares in his experience when God puts a new song in someone's heart. First one is this. When God puts a new song in your heart, you get a change of attitude. Your attitude changes. Your attitude on life completely changes. David writes it this way. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, part of our reading. But then he goes on, You've multiplied your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards none can compare with you. And then after our reading, sacrifices and offerings you do not desire, but you've given me an open ear. And I said, here I am. I delight to do your will. Happy are those. I delight whole thing has this feel of a change in attitude. All of a sudden, the little things in life don't seem to bother someone as much when they get a new song in their heart because they've now got a new perspective on the big thing. Have a good attitude. Sounds like the kind of person you want to be around, right? I mean, after all, who wants to be around someone with a bad attitude? (laughs) And we understand it, you know, someone's going through a tough time like David did, but no one wants to be around someone with a bad attitude all the time that just can't say anything good ever, sucks the life right out of the room with everything they say. Reminds me of an old sketch from Saturday Night Live, Debbie Downer, y'all, some of y'all remember Debbie Downer? If you haven't heard of Debbie Downer, look her up on YouTube. But I remember one of them, you know, no matter how happy the moment is, Debbie can just suck it right out. They're the families at Disney World in the sketch I'm remembering, happiest place on earth, you know, not for Debbie Downer. And they're all in the cafe and they're eating and they're just happy. The family's just in there. Boy, weren't those rides great? I just, there's Pluto, there's, there's Mickey Mouse, there's, oh, this is so fun, isn't this great to be here? And then it turns to Debbie and she said, did y'all read about the report of how many germs you can get by sitting in a place like this, wah, wah, you know, and 
no one likes to be around that, but when God puts a new song in your heart, you get a change in attitude. Little things don't bug you like they used to because you get a new perspective on the big thing. Second thing that David points to in his experience of this new song being placed in his heart is is this. It has to do with other people. When God puts a new song in your heart, you want to tell other people about it. You want to find someone to share it with, someone you can talk to about what you think God's been up to in your life, whether you're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. You want to find, you want the church as it should be. You want that. To be able to share it, David puts it this way. Verse 9, he says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. I've not restrained my lips. I've not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness. I've not concealed your steadfast love from the church, from the congregation, for him, the temple. When God puts a new song in your heart, you want to share it. You want to talk about it with someone else. You want to find someone that you can be honest with about it without worry or judgment or anything. You want the church as it should be, right? And that's my question. That's what I want to pull from this psalm today, this prayer, and turn it back on us and ask this question, is that the kind of church we are? That the kind of place where someone can feel completely safe talking about where they do or don't see God at work in their life, completely safe to talk about what they worry about or even wonder about, where they trust or don't trust, where they doubt, where they question, where they struggle. Is that what the church is? Well, if we're honest, we have to admit that the church is not always great at that, right? Quite often, people go to church to pretend that everything's okay when it's really not because, you know, A Christian is supposed to be someone who looks as if everything's okay, right? Got it all together. Got it all under control. Got it all figured out. That's not true. It's what we do, though. Everything's okay. When deep down you know it's not. Someone walked through those doors, would they feel comfortable talking about what's really going on in their life might be celebratory. Maybe not. To speak in such a way that David talks about in this prayer, 
talk about where they see or don't see God, where they wonder if God is actually even present at all. Is there a place that they can do that? Isn't that what the church is supposed to be? And are we? Author and theologian Frederick Beekner writes about 12-step recovery groups and how the church can learn from them because they tend to do that part better than the church does. He writes this. I'm going to read a decent little piece of what he writes. Alcoholics Anonymous, or AA, is the name of a group of people who acknowledge that addiction to alcohol is ruining their lives. Their purpose in coming together is to give it up and help others do the same. They realize they can't pull this off by themselves. They believe they need each other, and they believe they need God. The ones who aren't so sure about God speak instead of their higher power. They introduce themselves by saying, I'm John, I'm an alcoholic, or I'm Mary, I'm an alcoholic, to which the group responds, hi John, hi Mary. They usually end the whole time with the Lord's Prayer or the Serenity Prayer. Apart from that, they have no other rituals. They don't lecture each other, they simply tell their story. They tell where they went wrong and how day by day they're trying to go right. They tell where they find the strength and understanding and hope to keep trying. Sometimes one of them will take special responsibility for another to be available at any time of the day or night if the need arises. There's not much more to it than that. And it seems to be enough. Healing happens. Miracles happen. And then Beekner says this, you can't help thinking that something like this is what the church is meant to be. Sinners Anonymous. No matter what far place alcoholics end up in, they know that there will be a meeting nearby to go to and that at that meeting they will find strangers who are not strangers to help and to heal, to listen to the truth and to tell it. Would it ever occur to Christians in a far place to turn to a church nearby in hope of finding the same? Would they find it? Now, I'm not saying that we need to turn church into one big AA meeting or anything like that, but isn't there something of this that we can learn, we can pull from? Isn't that the kind of people that we ought also to try and be? The kind of people who someone can feel safe talking to about what's going on in their life and where they do or don't see God, where they do believe or where they doubt at the risk even of not saying the right thing without worry of being judged or, or anything like that. Isn't that something we should work on ourselves as if we were people with a new song on our heart? Well, David speaks of such a person, someone who's 
attitude on life is completely changed. Someone who talks to other people in a way that they didn't before. I guess I said all of that basically to be able to tell you this. My door is always open. You can walk through it anytime. You can tell me anything, absolutely anything. It's one of the things I work on as a pastor. Because God has put a new song in my heart. And it's my hope that God has put that same new song in your heart too. Kind of song that changes your whole attitude. Sinners Anonymous. It's not a bad name for the church. Don't you think? Let us pray. Sometimes we're walking through life. Sometimes when we do, it's in the middle of a moment of prayer. Sometimes it's when we're in the busiest part of our day with distractions and frustrating interruptions and you put a new song in our heart. You surprise us with the song of faith that keeps adding another verse. Keeps giving us a new perspective, a new understanding, a new challenge, a new calling. Perhaps the greatest calling that we have as a church is to be a safe place for others. Be a safe place for others by knowing that we too are safe here. We're not going to be judged for the questions we have, the things we wonder about, the struggles we're going through. But that we're going to be loved instead. That we're going to be heard instead. That you will in fact Lean down, hear every word we have to say. May we be that kind of people together, that kind of church, that kind of place. We know the world desperately needs a Sinners Anonymous that is blessed by you. Amen.